0: Welcome to Inside the War Room. Ryan Ray here as always. Today we have on Dr. Aubrey Hendricks, the author of Christians Against Christianity, How Right-Wing Evangelicals Are Destroying Our Nation and Our Faith. He, uh, Dr. Hendricks has a Ph.D. in religion from Princeton and also an M.A. in religion from Princeton and M.Div. with honors from Princeton Theological Seminary. This was a really, really uh, good conversation. I enjoyed it. Uh, We'll link to his full bio, and so be sure to check it out. And again, I say it often, a wide array of guests, a wide array of topics handled in a respectful manner. Surely that's worth your five-star rating, so go ahead and feel free to drop one wherever you listen to this podcast. Okay, let's get to Dr. Hendricks. Dr. Hendricks, welcome to The War Room.
1: Well, it's my pleasure, Brother Ryan. My pleasure.
0: First off, I'm a little bit jealous. I love a man with a good book collection, and people can't see this, but you have a thick book collection behind you. Uh, yeah. You can't see mine. I don't have as many as you have, but uh, I, I love someone who reads widely. So,
1: yeah. Well, this is just my my home study, my office has this many and more, man. It's you know, but many years of collecting and not wanting to get rid of too many of them. So it's, uh, you know, uh, that's what I got, man. That's about <laughs> it. I don't have anything else. You know, oh, two, three shirts, and uh, but that's about it.
0: <laughs> I was talking to a guy one time who had a large library, and, uh, and I said, uh, he, he said, the key to having a large library is when someone asks, have you read all those books? You say, I've read some of them twice. <laughs> <So that's, laughs>
1: what I usually say is that, this is just last week's reading.
0: You know. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, well, let's get into it. Uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, you're you know, very well studied, Princeton, Rutgers, but you've been at Princeton for your MA, your MD, and your PhD. What got you interested in the topic of religion and then how it pertains to uh, the political sciences?
1: It's interesting. You know, I've, I've always had an interest in, um, in religions, uh, plural. You know, I was raised uh, Christian, Baptist, but I always had an interest in, in religions. Um, but it was when I went to, uh, well, and I grew up in, the, in uh, I must tell you, in uh, New Jersey in the Black Nationalist Movement, Black um, Nationalist, uh, Cultural Nationalist Movement, and, uh, led by Mary Baraka. And uh, so I you know, I grew up with a political consciousness when I came back into the church many years later, I brought that consciousness, that political consciousness with me. And um, after reading some of the works of Richard Horsley and Ched Myers um, in in the mid eighties, I married that uh, political sensibility with a study of the New Testament. And and, and, uh, so that's how I got to, you know, looking at politics and religion, the intersection of politics and religion. Because, you know, re- religion is the major, really terrain of political contestation in America today. Um, and uh, so that's, that's where, where I am now. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a place that needs a lot more work, a lot more attention, by a lot more scholars.
0: So how do you go through the process of dissecting um, what may be a modern philosopher or social commentator might say about politics and religion versus what a text like the Bible might say about it.
1: I'm sorry repeat that if you would I, I want to get that clear.
0: Yeah so let's say that you're reading a current a current modern day philosopher or political commentary right and you're trying to understand its implications of today how it works in the world and then you're reading a text like the Bible which is a couple thousand years old you're trying to understand what it has to say or does it address modern day issues and then synthesizing those two? How do you go about that process?
1: Yeah, you know, my, my approach is, uh, is, is through the, 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 uh, the whole subject of, of ethics. Um, and so I look at the questions in, in, in ethical terms. Um, you know, the, the, the foremost, the, the basic um, ethic of the foundational ethic of the, of the Bible, as I talk about in Christians Against Christianity, is really mishpat, is justice. And um, so I look at uh, political issues in through the prism of justice, through social justice, through uh, through um, uh, the the profound implications of loving our neighbors as 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 ourselves. So you know um, that's my point of of, of of entry. I mean, the question is: um, Does a political policy or event or proclamation? Um, how does it comport with this notion of justice of, of, uh, of and, and loving neighbor ourselves? Um, meaning that uh, does it, you know, is it um, politically egalitarian? I mean, does it uh, afford or seek to afford everyone the same rights and, uh, and resources and access to the good things in life? If it does not, then um, um, you know, to my reading, it is a problematic, you know, political, um, policy or pronouncement, uh, um, go from problematic to evil, you know, and we can run the gathering, but that's my approach.
0: So just to make sure I'm following along, would you say, um, like, um, licensing boards or stuff like that, that, that create a barrier to entry, is that part of maybe this equality thing, or is there other things, like, when we think about making it equal for entry, is it that there should be a barrier to entry and that the same for everyone or there should be no barrier to entry or, or how would we handle should, those type of issues?
1: Well, you know, it should, um, should be, um, everyone should have, in biblical terms, everyone should have the same access to, to the, the fruit of the tree of life. I mean, there should be equal access uh, for everyone. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's basic biblical ethics. And so that's how I, how I approach things. You know, the question, I mean, there's, the question is, is how you understand justice? you understand it in egalitarian terms? or Do we understand it in uh, libertarian terms, uh, which means that, uh, which doesn't have anything with, to do with equality necessarily, you know, utilitarian terms? Um, You know, I believe that the, that the Bible, um, that is notion of justice is egalitarian. So, you know, it it has to be about everybody having the same access um, to the to the to to the resources and the good things in life. So that includes you know zoning is is a, is a zoning ordinance. Um, is is it fair? Does it ex uh, does it unfairly exclude others? Does it put up artificial barriers to entry? You know these are the kinds of questions that um, that we don't ask, but we can ask. Um, and it's not a, a it's it's I say it's an ethical pro- question. Because, um, you know, all the major religions share, you know, the, the same ethical foundation. So we don't have, to, um, uh, we don't have to, to impute religion into it necessarily. But we do have to look at it in ethical terms and in my sense. So in, in the way I read it, the, the foundation of the biblical witness is ethical. The foundation of the gospel is ethical. Jesus didn't teach beliefs. He taught ethics. And I think that's the way that uh, those people of biblical of uh, a, a biblical faith have to approach um, all pol- policies in the public sphere.
0: Okay. And so in your new book, as you mentioned, um, talked about in, in the introduction, Christians Against Christianity, how right-wing evangelicals are destroying our nation and our faith. What particularly are the things that you're concerned that, so, that these right-wing evangelicals are doing?
1: wow I don't even know where to begin. Um, I mean, I, I think in, in general terms, concern is that they are not just weaponizing the, the gospel um, in the in, uh, pursuit of injustice, but they're bastardizing the gospel. They're misrepresenting the gospel of Jesus Christ and representing it in anti-Christian terms um, um, s- such that they are um, obscuring the radical power of the gospel to free folk. Um, in um, in more, more specific ways, what they're doing is um, it's almost as if underlying their approach is a, is a death dealing uh, theology, um, because so many of the things that, that, uh, that they are fighting for and standing for are destructive to human life, like they're, um, they're totally anti-biblical approach to, to immigration, um, you know, uh, treating immigrants almost like non-humans and it's resulted in many deaths, including little children. Um, the way that they demonize, dehumanize, uh, same gender loving people, treat them like they're uh, children of some kind of lesser God. And uh, that has resulted in, 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 in uh, all kinds of injustice and death um, for gay people. Um, the way that they um, support um, weapons of, of mass destruction, you know, like um, uh, uh, you know, death-dealing um, guns and rifles and and AR-15s and all of that. I mean, supporting that from a, a biblical perspective, it's, it's 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 sick. I mean, we we must be concerned about these things. So yeah, those are some of the major problems that uh, that we have. But even more than that, they are supporting the destruction of democracy in America. Um, right-wing evangelicals are supporting first a very sick, um, a sick man, a, a sociopath, a pathological liar, a hateful man um, who is trying to tear down uh, all the institutions of democracy in America such that um, he and, uh, and, and right-wing evangelicals um, don't even really seem to realize how evil he is. So that all of America will be forced to genuflect at the altar of, of 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 his madness. You know this this is, I mean, this is so scary that we need to worry about the future of our country, but the future of our children. And this is why I, I stand against these people so vociferously. They're destructive. They are destructive movement that is anti Christian and anti American.
0: So. Let's, you, you cover, I made a list here of kind of your points. I want, I'll go through them in, in reverse order. Um, let's start with the, the last one, um, Donald Trump, to the point that he's a liar. I think that's quite clear to anyone who follows him. But what would you say to someone who says, well, clearly Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, anyone on the left that you want to look to, you can point out uh, that they've lied and manipulated and gained the system to mock, to actually oppress people, but they're using more conventional methods. And so it appears as if it's not as bad but they're using the system to hold people down. What would you say to that?
1: Yeah, well, I say you know all the evidence shows that it's not as bad in this sense. First off, um, they, they are not outright promulgators of hate, okay? They have not normalized hatred. They have no, not normalized um, lying and sociopathic uh, tendencies. Yeah, I mean, you can find any, any politician, including Joe Biden, Um, who has misled the people, who's lied to people, but they are not um, self-consciously destructive of every norm of civility that we have. And that is the problem. If Trump was just another politician and those who followed him, just just following another politician who's dishonest, um, that would be a different story. But here you have someone who came into office looking to rule and not serve and he made that clear from the beginning i mean anyone paid any attention and that's not the case with these other folk um and so the difference between republicans and democrats uh today is that republicans are uh, the republican department um, party they're supporting they're s- self-consciously supporting lies and destructiveness and um an anti-democratic sensibilities and they're doing it shamelessly and, and in a bald faced fashion. And that is the that is the problem there. Um and so yeah, so that de- so the, so Democrats, I mean, they're, they're not angels, but they're <laughs> not pro- but they're not screaming for evil. They're not, they're not talking about destroying people and um calling and, and demonize folk from A to Z. They, so there's a big difference there,
0: truly. Is, is there aside uh, you mentioned Trump specifically, is there a Republican leader that you would say that would be a good candidate uh, that the Republicans could run in 2024?
1: Uh, you mean a good candidate in that he's not a, a lying piece of trash trying to country. <laughs> yeah. the country? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure there, there are. Um, I haven't paid that close attention. Now, for instance, look at Liz, Liz Cheney. She's been uh, a hero to many people. She stood up to Trump. You know, but when you look at her record, um, she has a terrible record of a uh, uh, you know voting against uh voting against policies that would help you know the common the, the common person just like her daddy man he has almost a demonic record when you look at it people haven't looked at it clearly i wrote about it some years ago though um so i i uh, don't know i think though what we have to do is look to the ranks of those who boldly speak out against against trump those who are silent or who are supporting him of course um they, they, they're not candidates in my, in, in my estimation for, for being a, a just, a, a just um, Republican candidate for president. There's someone there, I'm sure. Okay. It's, no one comes to mind.
0: Uh, earlier you mentioned, uh, again, just kind of going in reverse order here, you mentioned weapons of mass destruction, and you're referring to mainly um, uh, AR-15s, assault rifles, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. How, from your perspective, should Americans view the U.S.'s involvement in foreign wars, whether it's Iraq, Afghanistan, currently one, Ukraine, um, where we are participating um, in the potential, you know, extinction of, of certain peoples. Um, how do we think about that issue?
1: Yeah, that's that's a tough one. You know, um, my gosh, we talk about foreign policy, everything, everything changes. Um, you know, um, and well, let's take, uh, see, it's it's really tough because on the one hand, um, you know, we, we don't want to just stand by and see, uh, innocent people, um, victimized as, as we see in Afghanistan, for instance, um, with, uh, the treatment of women and, and, uh, and, and non, non-Muslims on the, one hand. on the other hand, um, it's, it's a really hard thing to send, to send sons and daughters halfway around the world you know, to fight f- for another country. I'm, I'm, sometimes I wonder if we can't, if, if we shouldn't just let things play out as they are going to play out because we cannot wipe out evil in the world you know, on the one hand, on the other hand, um, if we talk about where we're for, you know, f- for, for liberty and justice for all, can we just stand by and let people suffer what, what you hear me say is that I don't have a clear view. I mean, sometimes it's clearer. like for instance with with um, Hitler's treatment of, of the Jewish the Jewish people, you know, to know that there's genocide going on, you know, in, in human terms, you have, we have no choice. You know, but to intercede, but um if we if there's internal you know strife in 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 a country that's resulting in 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 terrible injustice, I don't know sometimes I wonder if we have a right to go in and um and get involved. What you're hearing, brothers, I don't have a clear view on that. It's something that you know, I don't know that anyone has a clear view on that in ethical terms, you know, um, is it just to send young people? Um, uh, to face potential death um in uh, a setting that they don't have a real purchase in um for larger strategic reasons i don't have a, an answer clear answer for that unfortunately
0: well maybe perhaps I should
1: brother but i, I, I <laughs>
0: it's brother. a tough question there's no doubt about it it's up it's yeah, not easy true. it's uh these, these, these issues are very complicated i appreciate your honesty um should uh, Going to immigration, just thinking through what you said there. Should our policy, though, be more open borders to countries who are at war, civil war, to allow those people to migrate here?
1: I think we should. I mean, in humanitarian terms, um, you know, uh, if for instance we know that uh, we know that people are being uh, being subjugated, shot down in the in the streets, um, uh, or, or we know their lives are at at risk for standing up for. Uh, for freedom, yeah. I mean, according to who we say we are, we should um, make room for them to come in. Um, the problem is, so that as I talk about it, uh, in the book briefly, anyway, um, there are—I um, mean, some of the countries that are that are engaged in strikes, strike that that we instigated, you know, many years ago. We have a responsibility um let people from in from Nicaragua, for instance, where we had some when we propped up murderous Somoza and people like that. Um, so yeah, and in terms of and, and in biblical terms, um, we have a, a, a very deep responsibility to open our borders to, uh, to immigrants. The problem, brother, is that borders are are just artificial, we recognize lines that we human beings put together and we just talk about the earth belongs to the Lord. I mean, it's sort of hard to say, well, you're born on this side of the line, so you have to starve, even though we have more food than we we need. I guess what I'm suggesting is we have to really look at our immigration policy in moral terms as as well. Um, But then that gets to the heart of capitalism because even though we have much more than we need in this country, we don't even share it with with, with the poorest people, um, the poorest Americans. So, uh, you, you know, I mean, the wealth and, and the plethora of, of resources. So how do we, how can we turn around? And I mean, so we're not gonna turn around and do that to, to you know, the people um, born outside our, our borders, especially black and brown people, though that's what justice would tell us to do. Um, but America is not going to do that. But we have that responsibility to do it. And the problem with the right-wing evangelicals is that what they're telling America is that we have, not only do we not have a responsibility to to um, um, to the welfare of those outside our, 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 our borders, but um, we actually are, are paying them as evil, as evil interlopers. And that in itself is uh, is evil. So I'm suggesting there is not only inequality built into our um, immigration policy, but I think there's an undercurrent of, of, of uh, hateful demonization and, and racism in it as well.
0: Let me ask you, let me see if I can parse this out, see if we agree here. I've been to Honduras and Nicaragua, to some of the most impoverished areas in those countries, and it is, it's absolutely tragic. It's heartbreaking. And what I've told anyone is, if you go there, you can't come back here and not understand why people want to come here. Like you, you just, it's, you can't. Now you might not change your position, but you're far more sympathetic to understanding why people would make that long journey, why they'd swim a river, why they do all this stuff and risk it all to come here. Um, because it is, it's just depressing on levels. You just, you look around and there's just these huts everywhere and you go, I can't fix this. I mean, no amount of money could fix this. It's, 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 it's terrible. Okay. So we, we have that. Um, and I think if more Americans were to see that, they would feel more sympathy to the situation of what some of these people are going through. Um, so I wonder how we parse this up to where we say, okay, we want to be good stewards to these people. We want to help these people, right? Um, but at the same time, there is a percentage, and I don't know what the percentage is, that that will we'll take advantage of the good nature and say, okay, hey, we're going to come over here with bad intentions. How should we try to determine what percentage or who are the good actors or the bad actors? Because you have people who no doubt need our help. And then you have the bad actors who are going to take advantage of people being benevolent. How should we try to work through that issue? Because to me, I think that to what you're getting at, the conversation between the left and the right should be on that crux. How do we do this in a way that where it's not a racist mentality? It's just a Human nature, where bad people take advantage of good people. How do we work through that, or should we be open to be taken advantage of?
1: I don't know how we discern. Um, let me give an example. What I struggle with in New York City, where I live, um, and particularly in, in in my neighborhood near Columbia University, there seems to be a beggar on every corner. I mean, literally, sometimes a couple, and uh, some of them I know. Are just gaming. I mean, you know, they that that's they see their job is to get others to give them their money, and they don't even try to do do better. Um, And I struggle with how do I discern who's needy and who's just just gaming? Because some of the guys have told me that they're gaming. They don't feel like working. They just want to beg. So how do you how you discern? And I'm not sure that's that's what I struggle with. I don't know um, how to do that. So I don't know how we do that with immigrants as. As well, I think that, that that we have to try to come up with some criteria. I think that's that's crucial, but how do you how can you tell if someone is really in danger of being killed by a cartel for instance How, how do we know that and I think that that we have to err quite often on the side of uh of mercy and humanity, um, and that means that there are going to be some beggars who are going to give money to, who are just gaming the system, and there are going to be people we letting the system who are also led letting the country who are gaming the system. But it's like, um, I mean, who who are we? I mean, do we say we believe um, in liberty and justice? Um, and if we do, we, I mean, is is it better to? To let some folk in who are not deserving, or to let folk in who keep folk out, um, who end up being tortured and murdered because we're we're being hard hard edged about it. I just again, don't have a question, but I think it's something we have to we have to work. At. I don't I don't think though that, that we should just forget about trying to, to set up criteria. I just don't know how how you end up doing that, you know, without a huge infrastructure.
0: Right. Well, and so are you saying that it, it could be possible um, to set up a few criteria that's equitable, um, which would kind of solve this problem? Or are you more leaning towards we should be open borders and kind of deal with it as
1: people come across? Well, uh, you know, I think, you know, I think we as a nation, we have responsibility, you know, to citizens to try to uh, come up with some kind of way to contr- to, uh, um, some some kind of criteria. Brother, what it really comes down to is people come to America for a better life, right? And so many people come because they're escaping poverty, they're ex- ex- escaping injustice or whatever. And I think we really need to air toward toward hospitality to the stranger, like the bible tells us to do especially when you see families with children how can you say these folk are somehow crooked i mean they're children and 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 maybe they are crooked but what i mean maybe they're not telling the truth but but they are showing the truth and the truth is that they're coming here for a better life do we have a right to tell people that they do not that we're not going to allow them to pursue a better a better life in in uh for their families in this country, when we've allowed so many others now who are sitting on the, on the top of the totem pole, um, you know, to get rich um, as immigrants, you know, I mean, how can we tell? So I, yeah, I, I would err toward more open borders, particularly families and and children. Mm-hmm. Some well, would say that's just a you know a bleeding heart liberal, but I don't see how you do it any differently. I, you know, someone help me with that.
0: Why can't more people have a conversation around these issues like me and you are
1: having? Um, Well, right now, because immigration has been so demonized. Immigrants have been so demonized. Um, But not only that, um, some of those, particularly in the Trump camp, since Trump got in have given permission for the worst angels to show their face. And that is, you know, for folk to, um, to be openly racist, to be racist about immigration um, without necessarily speaking about race, right? Um, it's, it's, but it's given them cover. cover. Now it's, you know, they don't talk about uh, you know, um, you know, black and brown people coming in. They talk, they, they talk about immigrants, you know, these immigrants coming from the South. Um, and that's why we can't because you know, a race. I mean, it's you know, racism has been in, injected into it, and folk don't want to have civil religions. They want to de- demonize and exclude. Um, that's why there was not more of a human cry when you saw men on horseback using bullwhips to beat Haitian refugees, like it's a century and a half ago. There was even a human human cry of any any discernible significance about that. Why? Because they were black, and it's all right. To mistreat people of, of black and brown people now, um, without calling them niggers, you know. I, mean, and I think that's what it's about, brother. You know, um, there, there, there's not going to be a civil conversation about racism. They don't want to hold a civil conversation. Well,
0: we're having one now, so maybe, maybe we can encourage people to have one <laughs> because I, I find this issue to be um, troubling as someone who is from the south. Um I've got friends, you know, obviously here in Texas, but I've got friends in Africa, I know mean, some of my good friends are from Africa or live in Africa. As I mentioned I've been to Central America. Um and as a as a white man here in 2022, there is a pressure to make sure that you don't s- say the wrong thing or step on the wrong landmine and be accused of being a racist even though I'm happy to as I've mentioned I, I mean I've that, that's not not my heart. and So Right, we've, right. we've raised it. And I think both sides are guilty of this where one side might be guilty of allowing their party to demonize mm-hmm. or over talk on, on the, on the immigration issue. Well, I'm concerned. The other side has said, if you're remotely tangentially tied to this, then you're going to be in this basket in. And, and so it's, it's, it's almost taboo for us to have these conversations that mm-hmm. you're having. And that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a concern I have, because wow. I want, I want to be able to hear what you have to say. Um, and I, my, and I think, advantage here is it's an interview style so I'm listening right and so maybe maybe that's it
1: we need to have more people listening to each other well no but your your point is 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 well taken you know um because I I too think it's it's problematic to have a knee-jerk response um to call to call people racist um um when they raise certain kinds of questions which can be just real questions um what I'm what I'm suggesting is the reason why we don't have <clears throat> we can't really have these conversations is that, um, well, at least from my perspective, uh, those who are anti-immigration, in my experience, um, um, don't really want to discuss. It. You know, they don't want to to hear. You're not you're not you know shouting. Anti-immigration. Just like I'm not shouting, you know. Um, yes, everybody's, you know, everybody just rushing in. You know, we're not taking these hard positions, but those who really need to have the, have the conversations are taking those are taking those positions. But I really do think that the that the greater problem um, lies in the terrible demonization um, from the right. Uh, of 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 these people, they don't even think of them as human beings anymore. Look how our Muslims were so demigra- uh, denigrated. You know, um, you know, no more. There are no more Muslim terrorists than there are Christian terrorists, which means there's like a tiny percentage. You know, everybody's just law abiding, trying to live. But look look how we demonize Muslims. You can't even talk. You can't even hold a conversation. I've I've tried, but Islam. Talks about Jesus like seventy-something times. They revere Jesus, you know, and calls Christians fellow people of the book. But you can't hold those conversations. They they don't want to to hear it. That's the the problem I have. I mean, Trump is just a harbinger, but Trumpism. I mean, Trump opened the Pandora's box, and he gave license to folk to be as ugly and hateful as they, they want to be. And that's the problem now, because um, what that all says is that you don't have to have a considered conversation like we're having. You know, these people are wrong, they're evil, they're trying to destroy our country and we can't let them in. And that's the discourse. Um, no matter what you say, you know, you just can't, they they will not they will not listen. And they're willing to kill to support their, their position. And you know they are. You're in Texas because you you know, They have those paramilitary groups. You know they're out there with, with guns, tracking people down, and they don't have any legal right to do that. You know, but um, uh, you know they they are told that they have a, that. They're led to believe that it is their duty. You
0: know, one of the things that around these conversations, I think, makes it harder to have is the real sense in which both sides understand the the stakes. And what I, what I mean by that is you're in New York, I'm in Texas. Um, you know, I, I don't live in a big, I don't live in one of the big cities in Texas. So I'm in a, a rural community. You, you're, as you said, there's, there's homeless people in the streets where you're walking at. It's, it's, it's a lot more people, a lot more per capita people packed in there. It's different. And so ultimately some of these conversations are really about power, right? Who is going to lead the country and how, and how can we find someone close enough to us that we're willing to sacrifice all this other stuff just to get a little sliver of power um mm-hmm. h- how do we or should we push for more centralized power because to me that would seem to potentially compound this problem or should we try to look at maybe how we de- decentralized power how do we do that because power um is it seems to be part of this problem because it's connected to who is going to rule over who
1: wow well you mean centralized in terms of Centralized in what sense
0: yeah, so should we push for you know you talk about trump, right, so Trump is or Biden they're a centralized figure, the president, so they are kind of the most powerful person in the country, and so the stakes are very high when mm-hmm. you run for that office, whereas I mean you on a podcast, the stakes aren't very high, there's no power at mm-hmm. play here mm-hmm. um should we continue is' it good that we've we've pushed the stakes so high that we're um it's centralized. So there's one person we kind of all look to, even though we have a hundred senators and, you know, a couple hundred congressmen.
1: Uh, Yeah. You have a, you have a good point there, brother. Um, Yeah. You know, it's, and this, like every other point and question you raise really, really deep and and thoughtful. Um, You know, I, um, I mean, the reality of it is that this is, what we do in America, as yes, you know, other countries, they, you know, they don't, uh, particularly they have prime ministers, for instance, they don't uh, put as much weight on the president and and, and all that. But that is the way it's, it, it is and it has been for some time in America. I guess it's the way it, it's, it's going to be for some time. But that is why, from a faith perspective, we have to, I believe that we have to start we have to start um, um, uh, focusing on on positions more, on, on ethics more, on values more, um, because in that way um, we can, for instance, um, uh, pro, uh, progressives can uh, progressives can can criticize Biden. Um, you know, uh, in terms of values and, and, uh, and, and ethics without seeming to play into the hands of, of Biden's enemies and, and, vice, and vice versa, you know. Um, but as long as we don't focus on, on, on uh, the ethical foundations of, of this nation and, and of our faith, we're going to end up with demagogues and personality cults and 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 all of that so that's the way i I, the only way i think we can we can get to that is because presidents symbolize so much but for me i must say um since obama's been in office and i um, was i had more proximity to obama's presidency not a whole lot but more um than anywhere else it's been become demystified, the presidency is becoming demystified for me. I'm wondering if looking at um, Trump, for instance, and, and all the stupid childish things he's, he's, he's done, uh, everything but defecating in public, you know, you wonder, um, you know, if that hasn't sort of demystified the, the office somewhat, um, except for the, the Trump cultists, but for others, and then for Biden as well. As, as Biden's presidency sort of demystify the office, we're starting to see them more as, as, uh, as, as, as human beings. I'm, I'm wondering if that's, and if that's the case, um, maybe we can get a shift away from this, the presidency being, uh, the president himself being the focus of, 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 of all our efforts.
0: One issue that seems to divide, and I think there's people coming around on it now, but at least when I was a kid growing up, was the war on drugs. Um, and to me, the war on drugs, Um, When I talk to you know maybe a more Trump leaning friend, I try to emphasize to them the what I call the hierarchy of morals, right? So what is most important? And if you're saying the family is most important, the war on drugs is decimating families across inner cities, and whether it's intentionally for to uh, to target black and brown communities or not, it's just factually whoever comes across, the money's poured in there intentionally decimates them. How can we have a conversation to where those on the right on the left maybe find some common ground on how to roll out this war on drugs how to roll it back how far should we roll it back because those are questions that maybe america in 2022 is ready to have um how do we facilitate that conversation
1: i don't know it's like i i i I keep in mind that the war on drugs uh going back to reagan uh has always been racialized you know um it's you know they always uh, even though it, it uh, statistically it was clear for instance that more high more white high school kids uh, percentage wise um, use drugs and blacks black children you know it's always the black kids who are you know seen as a poster uh, poster kids so as long as we have this um, uh, such a, a focus on racism in this this country I think there'll always be. Uh, a real focus on the war on drugs. What's been interesting is that, was you know, as, as we've seen, the um, the opioid crisis taking uh, taking off, in, you know, in rural areas, and we're seeing it killing a a, a, a lot of white kids. It's interesting to see that all of a sudden, folks seem like they're ready to talk about the war the war on drugs, uh, in in uh in a more constructive, in a more constructive way. Um, but uh, in sense but in the sense of practice, um, the war of drug on drugs really is still going on to a great extent in uh, in black communities. I mean, it's 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 really been 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 used as a reason to uh, as as a reason, well, to detain a lot of black children. I mean, i I went through that growing up. You know, um, at salt, I was stopped for no reason, and there was a salt shaker in my father's car, and they, uh, you know, and they just tore the car. Up, and they were going to arrest me for hope for, uh, for um, possession of cocaine when all I had to do was taste it with salt. Uh, luckily, a friend of the family was a cop, sword. you know. So what am I saying? I'm saying that the war, the war on drugs is, and I hate to keep, you know, I hate to keep saying this, but the war on drugs was always, even H.R. Haldeman said it, I believe that was H.R. Haldeman, the war on drugs um, primarily was about, uh, about descending on the black community. He said that Nixon's, one of Nixon's main boys said it. that's on the record. And I think that's still the case. And, and I don't see it going, uh, going away, even though we've um, uh, legalized marijuana, Mm. you know, it's, 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 they're not letting those guys out of prison who, you know, some of whom going to jail for, you know, for life. So what am I saying? Brother, you're asking these questions that I don't have answers to because I don't know that anyone (laughs) has answers to them, you know? Well,
0: you know, what I've I've tried to encourage people is, is that, um, you know, because some people argue the genesis of whether it was a racist policy or not. I say, okay, let's just put that aside. Let's just put that aside because the facts are that where this money goes targets mainly inner city youth. And now, whether whether they're trying to intentionally target those communities or not, we can look at the demographics of those communities and see quite clearly who it is they're targeting, and we can see how it tears apart these families for generation to generation. So, if we care about the family, and that's a hierarchy of morals. Are we more concerned about the family or someone selling a dime bag on the corner? No, I'm more concerned about the family, and I don't right. want to the family up. And so, so because it's 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 sad and it's tragic. We get we start arguing whether the policy was intentionally supposed to be racist or not and it's like well I, I first off i take your word i don't i don't know i'm just saying i can see with my own eyes what's going on today and we should talk about the hierarchy morality yeah, of morality people about yeah, ethics and yeah, we can we can yeah,
1: yeah 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 no you're absolutely right brother i'm sorry and i i, I let that 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 comments uh, i got carried away I let that uh, get get out of my mind no you're right the question it always becomes what is the the larger moral question and and that is what you're raising here that's so very important and um, it shows that the, the hypocrisy of, of caring for uh, of really being uh, caring for the family and, and really being about family family values um, because you're right it's destroying whole communities for no reason um, you know for instance marijuana marijuana wasn't killing anybody. I mean, why, why send send young young men and women off to jail? You see, whole you know generations of families gone. Um, and you're absolutely you're absolutely right. But we're not asking the moral question. What's what's the moral? Because I'm, our hierarchy is not a moral hierarchy. Mm-hmm. It's, as you said, it's political, and it's about and it's about about power. And we and um, uh, even though we don't. Have the same kind of uh, of a threat to this country that that Nixon and 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 Reagan um, assumed. The war on drugs is still being run the same way. Like we have this this threat of, of 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 black people um, yeah. trying to up, uh, overthrow the government.
0: Yeah, and two, and two things here for the listeners. One, I just finished the book American Cartel: Inside the Battle to Bring Down the Opioid Industry. Um, I'll link to that in the show notes. If you listen to that, what you will find is is that when they go after these CEOs of drug companies, oftentimes they target them for financial, which is really the company paying it, right? Not criminal charges. And of course, in the illegal drug world, it's always criminal charges. There might be some restitution involved, but it's it's, it's criminal charges. And so you can see when it comes to corporate America, there is a a tendency to say, oh well, we're going to fine. I don't want to. I don't know who the companies are, these drug companies, but you know Pfizer, whoever it might be, we're going to find them three hundred million dollars. It's like, well, yeah, but if you put them in jail, that would actually probably deter them from doing the thing that you're yeah. concerned about, yeah. and so there would be a situation to where we should stop and ask a question ethically. To your point, is it ethically okay to put the guy who's selling, um, you know, a a, um, a on the street in jail, but not the CEO? who is actually aware that his company is over shipping them to certain parts of the country. And so those are the questions that we, we just have to be able to stop and talk about. And we we're not going to agree on where these lines are drawn, but these shouldn't be controversial things to ask.
1: Right, right, right. You know, man, you, well, your observations are so thoughtful. I mean, they, 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 they really are. And we're not asking those questions. The question, one question that arises, why aren't we asking? Um, these these questions. <laughs> Part of it is has to do with uh, with some, the nature of of capitalism. Um, you know, um, capitalists are almost never held responsible for the harm that they do, um, and uh, and that's going to continue to, to to be the case while capital is uh, is king. And let's just face it; it's going to it's always. It's always been that way. We just need to start asking ourselves ethical questions about our political, about the makeup of our political economy. And uh, and but see, capitalism is amoral. It's just not, there's no morality to it a, at all. And so um uh, and they let's face it, the capitalists do control the country um through the cause. It's not one person, one vote. It's in America. I mean, whoever has most capital controls the most votes. So they're not going to vote themselves into jail <laughs> right. to support those who are going to, to penalize them. You know, we just have to really look at the structure of our, of our country and, and uh, it's, it's divided power. Okay.
0: You have been more than gracious with your time. Obviously we're going to link to your book and you've got multiple books that you've authored. So we're going to link to that in the show notes. Um, now, do you have upcoming projects we should be looking forward to? Or are you taking a break and just kind of relaxing for a little while?
1: No, well, you know, the 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 uh book, my latest book, Christians Against Christianity, has uh kept me very busy. Uh that's a good thing and a bad thing because I haven't been able to be as productive as I like. The book is uh it's doing well, but what I'm looking at now is um uh what the kingdom, what the uh, a political economy of the kingdom of God might look like in the world. Um, and when I say kingdom of God, I'm talking about um, the kind of hierarchy of of ethical values that uh, that that the Bible gives us. How would how would a society look that is consistent with the uh, ethical values underlying ones of the of 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 the Bible, what kind of policies would that be? Would you know? Would that mean mean we have a different form of capitalism? Would we be more socialistic? Whatever, you know. Of course, we'd be more humane. Those are the kind of questions I'm I'm looking at right now, and I'm also looking at this notion of of abolition. Um, you know, uh, uh, a prison abolition. Um, I don't know where I fall on that now, but I do know that. Um, we have to do something about our carceral system. It's just much too inhumane right now. You know, um, men and women should not be consigned to decades of daily hell.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's a, it's a struggle for me because, you know, I am a big believer in restitution and things like that, but I don't know how to get from where we're at today to get to there. And that, 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 that that alone is a challenge. Like how do you transition, um, you know, or to your point about the, the drug stuff, you know, if you, if we both agree, well, you shouldn't be in jail for you know possession of marijuana, but you have this other charge where it's you know tied to possession of marijuana. It's like, well, how do you separate the jail time and reduce? So you you get these very very complex questions that um.
1: It's tough. Yeah, what do you do with murderers, man? I you know, ser- serial killers. I mean, you know, right? I mean, yeah. you want you want to be able to to have some kind of control for them, so.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a it's a question and, and, and well you have to prove that they are a murderer.
1: like that's the whole question well, you, that's <laughs> true. but I, I'll, I'll say this Richard Pryor <laughs> Richard Pryor from <laughs> one, one of his monologues he said that uh, you know he went to speak uh, for him at a prison and he said uh, he met some of these guys. He said, man, he said, I'm glad there are prisons. He said he asked the guy, why would you kill everybody in the house, man? He said, well, they were home. So, I mean, guys <laughs> like that, wow, Okay, you know, you don't want them, you know, you, you don't want them on the street. You don't want other people treated badly, but damn, you don't want guys like that walking around.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, Dr. Hendricks, where should we point people to
1: the book, uh, the, the website? or Where do you want us to send people My to? The website is uh, mine. Uh, it's com. It's uh, .net rather. It's um O-B-E-R-Y. Aubrey dnet dot Hendricks.net. And uh, is Against Christianity is, you know, it's, it's a major bookstores. So it's also, of course, on Amazon. And, uh, you know, it's a book that uh, I've tried to hit really strike a, I've tried to strike a, a balance, but strike, really strike a blow. Um, because we're, you know, the forces, this onslaught of evil that wants to demonize and destroy democracy and all that. Right now, they are winning, and you know, the church needs to stand up and uh, strike a blow for freedom and for justice. And uh, I, I, I try to help do that in this book.
0: Okay, we will link to all of that in the show notes for listeners. Dr. Hendricks, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you so much, brother. You know, you're a thoughtful man. I really appreciate your your time. And now I got to go and get some real thought to these questions. (laughs) All the best to you, brother.
0: Okay, there you go. What did you think? Was that a good conversation? I really enjoyed it. One of my favorite in recent memory. Let me know. Warroommedia.com is where you get to get your voice heard on this show. And, oh, by the way, if you go there, sign up. We're giving away a copy of the the lion's den. So that will happen at the end of this month. So be sure to register the free account. Don't do anything paid at warroommedia.com.